Send me that link too, but In Oakland, California, I used to go to what was called FOI class. It stands for Fruit of Islam. It was at YBMB, Your Black Muslim Bakery. And this was a place where um, my father used to take me every Monday and we would go for training. So we would do military drills, right? Left face, right face, by face, salute, ready front, right dress. And that was to gain discipline. Uh, we would, as we would go in, we would have to walk through these big old doors. You first walk in, it smells of uh, a fresh aroma of baked goods because it was a bakery during the daytime. And as you walk in, it was these two big black doors with these small screens. And before you walked in, somebody would check you. And they would check you by taking you through or a security procedures, much like TSA would if they do a manual check on you. And so, as you go through, a brother check you, how you open up your hands, check under, you know what I mean, underneath your, your, your feet, your calves, making sure you ain't got nothing in there. They always train us on time. People keep like knives in the heel of their shoe and things of that nature. So we have to take any contraband and any weapons that we find and leave them at the door. And of course, no firearms were allowed by anyone. So even as a child, I got checked as well. So I would walk in there, get checked, and then I get escorted to my seat. And there'd probably be about maybe 50 white chairs in the middle of the floor. And the floor was cleared out from what his regular day was, where there were these huge bakery um, machines where you cook dough, you bake bread, they made pies and cookies and everything else. It was a whole operation. So you walk in there and it's sort of a sweet smell still and a little bit mixed with bleach on the floor because it would just been cleaned from head to toe in a very masterful way. So we would sit down. Um, I get seated to my chair and as you get seated to your chair, you got to sit on a square. So left over right and you got to sit like this the whole entire time and your head just focus. And the goal is to weed out any distractions no matter what's going on in your peripherals, even if a fly landed on your head, you have to stay focused. So as a child, you don't want to do none of that. As a child, you want to move, right? You having all these thoughts and regardless of what the OGs say, regardless of what the brothers say, you want to do your thing. And anytime we move, sometimes a brother, a brother will come by and he'll smack you in the back of your head for moving. Man, it made me want to kill somebody, I promise you. Right, but most of the time we was chill, it was discipline, you gotta sit in just like this the whole entire time. Right? And we would go over all sort of different things, but before we started the meeting, we would always have um drill sessions. So we would have these drill sessions 
to where it would last probably about 30 minutes, hardcore drilling, right? And then sometimes we would even do a uh, competition called Muhammad Says, and you can't do anything unless Muhammad Says do it, meaning that if you say left and you go left, you out. But you got to say Muhammad Says left, Muhammad Says right, left. But you so used to doing a command, a lot of people get caught up, but I was actually really good at that. And oftentimes you probably win $20, bean pie, or just bragging rights. So anyway, we have our meetings, we have our drills, and then after the drills, we would usually get into a circle, right? And then this one we have conversations about stuff that's going on. The brothers would share tactics, soldier tactics, military tactics. I remember um, one of the things my father, when he would lead, he talked about how you can focus on the point of the back of someone's head. And if you focus on the back of someone's head, you can actually get them to turn around. You know what I mean? By focusing energy on the back of their head and you can send energy to different people. It was like a serious, very serious conversation. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To where as a youngster, I'm sitting there listening. And of course, I'm like, I'm taking it in a thousand percent. So, of course, I'm like afterwards going into the streets and practicing this. You feel me? Like to see if I can actually do it in real life. And I remember just always having like this thought process that like we was like warriors. You know what I mean? In this world, in this war that was going on outside and we were the special trained one. And it was this one time this brother came in, I forget his name, but he would have us, he had a chair, he set the chair in the front. And he said that, you know, he had a, a way where you could pick up the chair, you go in the middle, he had one big brother say, hey, lift the chair. He'd be able to lift the chair, no problem. Then he said, I want everybody to focus all the negative energy on the chair, right? So all the brothers like, all right, everybody focus their negative energy on the chair. Big dude, he walked up, you know what I mean, confident, picked up the chair again, but this time it tilted on him like this, and it kind of like fell forward and it was heavier. And then when he did that, he fell backwards. And everybody like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Now, you know, as it goes, you know, he, I think like a week later or something, he ended up getting sick, right? And the whole idea was like that you could push the energy on a chair and that it kind of fell on him and then it became more weight on the chair. Right. And there was um, another time where we sit in there and they brought a candle. And, of course, I know people seen this probably before where they got the candle and the brother was so good at shooting his energy like his chi that he set the candle there and he was able to boom. And I'm talking about from a distance, put the candle out. You know what I mean? I'm talking about brother was so cold. He would, But you got to understand, like, this wasn't no regular place. This was like a league of, like, you know, killers. You feel me? Like real men that get out there outside and do stuff. They would they that was active. Yeah, yeah. they wasn't no <laughs> yeah. we believing in this spook. No, it, the brothers that they brought in, if you got they they, they was the, the steppers. Yeah. If you got a killer coming in <laughs> yeah. to teach some killers, that means he respected outside. Fence. You feel me? And so you go listen to his tactics. So that was more some of the times where we learned some of the the esoteric things, some things I can't tell you, but we would go over death points, trigger points. We would have to get into a circle and box, you know, um, and I learned so many lessons about myself. And I just remember 
the process of how I felt about myself and the confidence that I gained about myself that even to this day sticks with me. Because we'd be up to like 12 o'clock at night sometime and we had to step outside and we'd run a block and it's cold in Oakland at 12 o'clock at night. And we are in a residential neighborhood, so the neighbors can hear us, right? And this is after we did a workout, after a meeting, after we done drilled, after we done did business sessions, a bunch of different things sometimes. So we'd do this run, and we'd have to circle that block like four, five times. And I'm young, so, you know, each brother taking one stride is like two of my steps. But I remember never wanting to be last. I remember having that feeling like I'm not going to be last. And it was this big brother name I mean. So it wasn't that uh, 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 hard to not be last. But I didn't even want to be close to him because he would right, be huffing right. and puffing. Now, I mean, was tough. I'll tell you some stories about I mean later. But we had run a block. And I remember one time actually being in front, like being one of the first people to actually get back because I used to always have like this. This grit, like, I got to make it. And it just was in my mind, like, I want to be number one. It was this challenge that I put within myself. And there's some fast brothers out there. But as we would get tired, somebody would yell, how you feel? And you always, no matter what, have to give a resounding, affirming, fine, fine sir, sir. Yeah. fine, sir. And you would feel the opposite. But when you said fine, sir, it invigorated your spirit like you got more energy, Right. And ever since that, you know, and because of that, I should say, it, in, it initiated me into the warrior's way, right? And you can see the difference between men who train or who've had any training in life and that learn how to develop mental fortitude to go about life, to do things. Because if I had not had those experiences as a youngster, then I wouldn't have the grit and I wouldn't approach life the way that I do now to where no matter what's happening with me, my spirit is always yelling, fine, sir. That's my opening. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he had a conclusion or something for us real quick. That nah, but the nah, the conclusion that, right, a lot of people don't even get that discipline though growing up. Yeah, a lot of people don't get a chance to have that brotherhood or that counsel that discipline them like that. You know, like mm -hmm. for me, man, it's like a totally different from that. Like my discipline, funny but true, it came from jail. Mm. Now, when I was younger, I had went to jail, right? I had caught a gun case. And my first time going in jail, like you said, I was active in the streets. Step in the streets, what they call it. So I was respected. So when I went to jail, and I, I walked in the pod, and it was so overpacked in this particular jail that they didn't even have no more room to put nobody on the bed. They gave me a mat. They didn't have a tote left. So I walked in the pod. Everybody like, Steve, look, Steve, what's up, what's up? They say you ain't got no, no, um, no tote. I say, nah, they just gave me this mat. It was a guy sleep on the tote. Man, they tapped him, beat him up. Mm. He woke up out of his sleep getting beat up, ran, CEO, CEO, help me. They took all his mat and his covers and shit, threw it on the other side of the room. Say, this is where you sleep at now, bro. When I seen that, it woke me up to like, oh shit, 
I gotta be on point. I damn near gotta sleep with my shoes on. Niggas will wake you up out your sleep. So I took that time to sit back and observe how different men move. I knew what I wanted to be like and what I didn't want to mm. be like. But at the same time, I know, like, I, I ain't just thinking for myself. I got to think how these niggas thinking and how they move or whatnot. Right. So I got to make sure I'm on my shit in here, you know? And that discipline kind of spilled out to the streets as well once I got released, you know? And it was, it's traumatizing looking back on that, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, it get real out here, like... It's, it, it, it's, it's so many forms of discipline, but it's necessary, though, you know? Man, that get me thinking because the invisible population of society are those who forgot about. See, people will say, don't snitch. And the reason why so many people do snitch today is because even if you don't, right, there's no reward. You're still forgotten about. Mm. So, when the code is not followed, or is only followed by one person, but the other side doesn't follow the code, meaning that, hey, if I'm solid, will my family be taken care of? Will I be taken care of? Will y'all forgive me? Will y'all write me? Mm. Because you know, by not snitching and going to this place, I'm going to a place that's unnatural. I'm going to a place that turns all men into animals. Yeah. I'm going to a place that, that separates us. Going to a place of danger where my safety and my next night is not guaranteed. So, if you're telling me that I'm going to give up free society, right? And follow this code and be a warrior and be sent off, right? Into a land of unknown where anything can happen. Yeah. Then that means you should never forget me. And I should, and it's it's the reward of it is not that you shouldn't have you should have you know stay solid regardless, but yeah. the reward of it is is the respect that comes along with somebody who is following a code, because yeah. that is the warrior's way. And there's so many warriors who fell on that sword and said, you know what, I'm gonna follow the code, and I'm gonna do my time, and sometimes I'm gonna do the time of others because I follow the code, mm. and then when they go in. They completely forgot about. But if they didn't follow the code, now everybody's talking about it. They didn't follow the code, Man. it comes with a punishment, but following the code comes with no reward. Yeah. Right? The reward that every man has in the own signature of his heart when he signs that agreement with himself to be someone that he believes in, to be somebody that he respects. Yes, you get that. But how much of that matters when you and the cell and the person next to you screaming because they're getting attacked. How much of that matters when you ain't got sanitary conditions? How much of that matters when you can complain to the warden, to the guards, and nobody cares? How much of that matters when you may be getting set up by somebody you trusted when you was on the street at one point in time? How much does that matter when nothing matters, when nobody knows? Man, you said the key word, complaining, right? And that's all, like, I see a lot of people doing is just complaining, complaining and complaining about their circumstances, complaining about what they don't got, complaining about what they wish they had. Take me back to another story. I was complaining I was in jail still and my family ain't get all they hard-earned money and come and get me. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was in the jail. At this point, I was in about a year and a half, right? But this particular day... 
Something happened in that jail that just changed my whole mindset, made me quit stressing, quit worrying, and like made me like get through this process. You feel me? So it was it was these two guys I was incarcerated with. Now, one of the guys he was in there for a probation violation. Come to find out, he had he was on probation for a hit and run. A, a lady was crossing the street in the middle of the night. He hit the lady with his car and kept going. Man, this situation messed him up so bad, he started smoking crack, F family disowned him and all that. He turned himself in a month later, told mm. people what happened, the truth. They gave him probation, involuntary manslaughter. Fast forward time, he in jail, we in jail together. Good brother too, man, he the guy in there that do a thousand push-ups a day, mm -hmm. know how to hold on to the boys out straight, like balancing that, like this guy's strong as fuck, yeah. he fit, <laughs> you feel me? Nah, it's another little guy in here right now. He the guy that play all damn day, joking. He ain't really got no plan when he get out. Probably gonna be back, you know. Come to find out, man, the girl that he hit is the, the playful guy's sister. So everybody in the pod souped him up mm. to start a fight with the guy. Now, the guy telling him he's sorry, bro. He apologized. You know he's sorry. He turned himself in. He yeah. didn't have to. He could have got away. Now, I know both guys. I'm trying to be the good angel. Tell them, like, look, bro, dude, real life showing you sympathy. Like, this is the definition of sympathy, bro. He ain't have to, You would have never knew what happened to your sister if this man ain't have a heart, obviously. I mean, he let that negative energy mm. that you were just talking about get in his head. So they go out there and fight. The guy let him get a few hits up. Mm -hmm. Like, man, you deserve that. That's what he's telling you. You deserve that. Don't hit me. He, never mind you. He the guy that do a thousand push. I'm trying to tell him you don't want to do that, little brother. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Please don't go on yeah. this fight. You feel me? But if they go fight, so he get to go on a little too hard, man. The guy picked him up. He's, all I remember is this. I can't wrestle. This this how you sound when the dude picked him up. Dude slammed him on his head. Now, as you know, the cartoons when the knot come on your head, the birds, I seen that in real life, in real time. No, man. So listen, after the fight, right, I had to write my grandma. Because she was the one in communication with me through the letters. And I was telling her, like, Granny, I'm done stressing after the day because you never know who's going to come behind these walls. That situation was worse than my gun case in my mind. You, this man killed this. I never seen no. This was like some yeah. movie shit. So it made me like quick complaining about my circumstances because trouble don't last always, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's somebody going through something way, way more serious than yours, you know. Mm. That was some crazy shit though, but it's true. It's like facts, you know. Listen, if you got somebody that's incarcerated in your family, um, that's close to you, that you may know of, that is a friend, that was a friend. Yeah, it's just on my heart to tell you, think about them. And if that thought happens to, you know, spark the the action of wanting to write them, call them, visit them, send them some money on their books, you just never know how you might save a life that day. Send them a book. <laughs> send them a book. I'm telling you, it's, it's you know... The, the things that you do for a person while they're in there can have a grave result on that person when they get out. Because when you feel like nobody cares, mm -hmm. you're going to operate that same way when you get free. And nobody cares, so it don't matter what I do. Mm -hmm. And this is why a lot of people end up going back in. My bro said, he said, um, creativity minus opportunity is what creates criminals. 
right? Well, you're very creative. You want to do something, but you don't have opportunity. So you do what's around you. And a lot of criminals are some of the smartest people in the world Thanks. are locked behind walls and of all colors. Brilliant people behind walls. I'm telling you, is is those institutions turn regular men and they become animals because there is no civilization anymore. You're no longer under civil right order. You're no longer under civil jurisdiction, yeah. right? So you have to remember that that even as you think about your circumstances, as long as you're free, right? Whether I know it's mental freedom, there's financial freedom, but physical freedom, right? Physical freedom matters. So enjoy every breath. Yeah. Enjoy every day, right? And understand that your circumstances is not as bad as somebody else's. And in conclusion to that, I had a CEO in there that I used to get into it with my whole bid. Like, I hated this dude. Like, he even tried to put a hit on me one mm. time from the vending machine, go get some snacks out of the vending machine, give it to the inmates. But like I said, I'm respected in St. Louis. Man, the, the people who gave the hit to... Man, we ate the shit together. When the CEO did the walk, I gave him the rapper back. Like, man, you got to know what you're doing. Try to play with me like that, you know. But fast forward, I'm, before I was going to get out, I got my release date, mm. right? So by this time, right, the the, 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 the beef between me and him kind of simmered down, you know. So the man pulled me to the side. He said some real shit I, I ain't never forgot. He said, the first time you come in this place might be a mistake. Second time, it might be a coincidence. But the third time you come back in this jail, it'll be a pattern. Mm. You'll be in for the rest of your life. <laughs> and that's just in conclusion like to what we were just talking about. Third time, it's a pattern. No, nah, you got to break the cycle. You get, Ask yourself, do you like the trajectory of where things are going? If you like the trajectory of where your life is going, that meaning that, let's say what you're doing right now, if in all categories, so let's say, from a financial position, if your money continues to grow at the rate that is growing today, right, over the next year, let's because, you know, we at the end of the year, uh, let's say around this time in December 2024, do you want the same amount of money? Do you want the same amount of money? If you do the exact same things every single day, you have the same amount of money. But if you switch up your habits and you do things differently, then it's going to force you to get a different result. So if you like what you're getting now, then don't change up nothing. If you like the way you feel about yourself, if you like the knowledge that you have mm. and your ability to be able to execute. Because here's the thing. Can you turn it down? I can hear the echo. Yeah. Here's the thing. Skills are the new degrees. Mm. Right. If you are skilled at something, that's more important to a job, as we talked about last time. And if you're skilled at something, you can hire yourself and manage yourself to put yourself into position in order to change your condition. Right. It's not dependent upon what you know, but it's all about how you do it. It's about the way you go about doing things. Yeah. Right. And this is why this is called the warrior's way. The way you approach education. Right. A warrior. You have to imagine. Imagine a warrior's research ethics right a warrior wants to be meticulous because he understands that this is a battle so he's going to approach it like this he's going to say okay if 
I wanted to fortify my mind, or if I wanted to study a subject, and then let's say I want to teach that subject, what is the best way for me to go about it? You go go about it as, as a battle, right? I don't want the wrong information, right? Because right? if I have the wrong information and I go to battle with the wrong information, the wrong which is the wrong tools, the wrong weapons, then I can lose, right? So the 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 warrior is going to go in looking for the right information, which means. He's going to sharpen his sword. And the sharpening of that sword is when you're doing your research. Yeah. It's when you're checking your sources. Right? Then he's going to think about the best way to wield that information. Right? What is the best way that I can use it? So he's going to think about the practicality. Not the emotions. Not what it feels like. None of that. He's going to think in a practical way. How can I wield that? Because what mm -hmm. you know is an extension of who you are. The same way when, you know, yeah. a, a swordsman carries a sword or a killer carries a gun. He's going he to think it's about everything, all the resources he got around him. He exactly. to bring his vision up. So you have to wield the information in a particular way. All right. What is the best way I can speak it? So he's going to look at it and say, OK, well, I need to study speaking. I need to study speaking patterns. I need to study uh, power words. I need to study ways to be persuasive. He's not looking at the lack of things that he has. He's looking at how do I sharpen myself to utilize this the best because mm. A, a, a warrior, whether it's your hands you're using, you're in the gym training and you're boxing and so that you can equip yourself better when you get in the ring. So a warrior is going to approach knowledge information with a, a high level of intensity to make sure that when he steps onto the battlefield, right, he's not he can't be attacked. Because he didn't know something. So he's going to make sure, oh, I'm going to double check my source. Then he's going to think about the way that this can create a uh, weakness within his defenses. Because mm. when you put out something, there's going to be somebody to be like, well, you said it like this, but this. So yeah. he goes, check sources. He already sources, thought of all those possible scenarios. <laughs> check sources and site sources. Yeah. Right? He's going to think about the, the, the he's going to play the battle in his head, yeah. the debate in his head, the scenarios, as yeah. you say, in his head. And he's going to think about, okay, what is the result that I want, right? So when you approach even research and scholarship from a warrior's way, now you're fortifying your position and you're fortifying yourself so that when you go wield this information and this knowledge, you can execute at a high level. So this brings me to Yasuke. Yeah. Yasuke um Yasuke was a slave that was brought to Japan. He was brought to Japan by to Oda Nobunaga, who was a war tyrant in general. He was cold with it. When they brought him to Japan, they made him strip. And of course he felt humiliated. You know what I mean? Like anybody would. But Yasuke was a special one, man. He had grit. He had that, he's that type of one that's like, you know, you go on the field, this is what I got to deal with. Right. Right? So I'm going to deal with it. Right? He's going to go with an attitude of, of perseverance and resilience. So he decided to make the most out of his situation, even though he's in a foreign place, thousands of miles away from where he grew up, speak the language of none of these people around him. And what he did was, he decided that I'm not going to be a slave. I'm going to learn the ways and I'm going to be a warrior. So he learned the ways of the samurai, right? He, he, he stepped into that and he became so good at it that he became known as the first black samurai. And to this day, they say, you know, you can't be a samurai unless you got a little bit of black blood, right? 
And the world is lacking grit. When people approach things, they don't approach them to be warriors. They could approach them to be victims. They approach them from emotions. Mm. They think about all of, oh, woe is me. I am victim of yeah. my circumstance. They're not thinking, well, this is now my circumstance. I'm going to make the best out of it. And sometimes you can make the best out of it so great that you actually end up achieving something and you, be in a, you become a legend. And then you become iconic where other people want to be you. And then you become a myth to where the stories are told about you just to share a lesson of the type of human being that you Facts. were on the planet Earth. Facts. <laughs> I like that. I like that. <laughs> hey, Dr. B. Serious said this, said this on a high-level conversation. He say people always talk about what they don't want, but don't nobody know what they want. Mm. Tell me what you want. You mm. know, like put the energy towards that. You know, like that's that's key. That's. You have to because life is going to always come with circumstances. But depending on your perspective on those circumstances is what those circumstances become. Right? They're not they can make you or they can tear you apart. And in each and every time you have to allow it to make you. Mm. Right, each and every time. Each and every time, because every, it is it's constant change. Right, you don't fight yesterday's war. You don't fight yesterday's battle. Yeah, there's so many people. You meet OGs all the time, and they tell you stories of yesterday and yesteryear. Yeah. Oh man, you know back in my day. Whoa, slow it down. The problem is, is that it's back, and that was your day, and it's my day. And if you saying that that was your day, you saying today is no longer your day. Yeah. You, you already me. got your mind made yeah. up. Like that was that was my prime back then. Yeah. I, ain't, I ain't got nothing else to accomplish, nothing else to deliver to the world, nothing else I can create. <laughs> you you started yeah. off telling me you gave up already. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Hey, it's funny you said that though, because I had read this one book. I forget, I can't think of the name of it right now, but it came out in like the seventies, eighties, or whatnot. And Basically, like the long story short, he was just saying he never wanted to become one of them guys drunk under a tree. And that um whole analogy is, like you said, when you see them OGs, they ain't doing nothing but sitting in the park, drinking under that tree, reminiscing, talking about the past, you know. And it's and, and think about that because that's an that's an algorithm that exists all throughout yeah. America. Like I said, this book was in the seventies. Not even just America, <laughs> all throughout the world. There's a Japanese unk somewhere drunk, yeah. right on some sake. You know, talking about the good old days. There's some drunk unk somewhere in Ghana. You know what I mean? Talking about what my back on my day. That's mm. a terrible Ghanaian accent, by the yeah. way. You know what I'm saying? All right, it is what it is. <laughs> Speaking of Ghana, right? I see my um my good brothers EYL and them over there in Ghana. Oh yeah, they out there partying too much damn partying. I'm just kidding. Now they out there kicking and living a life, man. We was supposed to actually went, you know, but we we, we came over to do the man to man podcast instead. You did. That's but your story, and I'm sticking that's, with that's it. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. But look. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about Ghana, right? I know you went to Ghana earlier this year, right? Yes, I did. What was um? I'm gonna need to switch uh, crowns for this conversation, bro. Can you yeah. can you open up that cupboard and there's the 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 red, green, good and gold? For you. Can you 
Africans, because we going to talk about Africa. Yeah. Let me get in my world. I'm tap in real quick. I got a question wrote down for you, bro, about yeah. Africa. It's the red, green, and gold, and it should be at the top towards the back. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Africa, Africa, Africa. Some call it al Kabunan, Some call it Ethiopia. Some call it Asia. Nah, crown. it's a crown. Uh, but I, 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 one thing I keep saying consistently is I feel safe in Africa. Mm. Um, and I don't know how to tell you even any better than that. Whoa, whoa, whoa. I got to fix this. All right, so um, wait, I'm going to let you put your crown on real quick before I ask you this question. I actually got a couple. Do you want to go to Africa? Hell yeah, I want to go to Africa. Like, I'm going to be honest with you, right? And my my mind, right, my first stop in Africa was gone was gonna be like Egypt. I wanted to I like actually wanna go inside the pyramids yeah. and feel the energy. But after having talked with people from Africa, I got a lot of backlash, you know, from my brothers uh Quay and Jahu to the people in the comments, they say, if all you Americans, all you do is just run to Egypt. Go to Ghana, go to, you know what I'm saying, go to another port, there's other ports, you know. So I guess when I do hit Africa, I'm going to have to stop in Ghana or something like, you know, Uganda. It's one of the real places, and then I hit over to the pyramid. I love Quay and Jehu. Quay yeah. from uh, Liberia and Jehu, he's from Ghana. But, but um, man, let me, if you want to go to Egypt, take your ass I, to Egypt. I, I'm going to Egypt. That's, I already <laughs> brought that on the bucket list. I'm going to Egypt, and I'm bringing 88 people with me. We're going to Egypt to see the black guys on the wall. You yeah. feel me? When I went up there, man, I seen them doing yoga on the wall with braids, flowing down their hair, man. Hey, listen, man, the story got to be told the right way. And when we going, we getting exclusive access to the pyramids. You know what I mean? We're going to party in front of the Giza. We're going to be on a Nile River in the boat. We're going to get private security. Yeah, we're going to have one of those high-flying times. Listen, man, it's the way other people travel, yeah. and it's the way I travel. Yeah. When we do Mysteries Unravel, come talk to me. Check this yeah. out, though. Just saying, man. Shout out to my brothers at Chicago. Uh, was it any moment in Ghana, right, that changed your perspective on your heritage, your identity once you took that trip? I think um, not my identity. It, it, it may have strengthened it. Mm. And in what way? You, because I am American. And for so many years I denied it because I connected Americas and America to white. And I felt that if I was American, then it was almost kind of like having a slave name, but it's not. And what I'm really connecting to is the landmass, right? America, just like Africa, is the land and the people, mm. right? Africa is the people, right? What we know about Africa is the people. We also benefit from the land and the resources that come from the land. The people from Africa don't. The richness of Africa is the history of the people there, right? The colors is when I first went to Africa, I went to South Africa. I went out there to go speak at this school. I was hired to go speak at this school and I was teaching them uh, about being ready for the future and how to utilize technology to build from anywhere in the world. Um, and inshallah, if any of those children listen to me, they should be in a good place. Um, but when I went out there the first time, I remember going to visit Shaka Zulu Grave. 
another one of my favorite warriors. And Shaka Zulu, you know, his tribe out there in Swaziland, they, um, I talked about this on high level where, you know, they, they pioneered and innovated the uh, long spear yeah. so that they can do, you know, long form battle with people. Because at first you got to understand that anytime people fight, it was like a short spear, yeah. right? No disrespect, right? <laughs> But when they created the long spear, now they could chuck it for long distances or they can fight people from further away. Yeah. So they was able to beat and defeat their enemy. Right? They 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 the ones started the discipline. Yeah. The, the discipline strategies that's used all around the world in wars now. Um, so they was cold. They was cold. Shaka Zulu was a might of a man, right? And he you know, of course a coup ended up happening. His brother and some other folks end up killing him because they say that he was going crazy, his mother died, and they say he was acting tyrannical and all yeah. these things. And he was explaining to them as on his deathbed, he like, y'all think y'all killed me and y'all go rule? He like, no, them people go rule. And what he was talking about was, you know, the, the, the British, you know what I mean? He was talking about the colonization that was going to happen because he was saying that I understand my enemies. Y'all think that y'all think that I'm crazy and savage? Oh, y'all ain't seen it. I'm keeping them at bay. Right? And his brother and them, um, and, and those who killed him thought that they could handle that enemy and they didn't. They didn't know that enemy at all. Right? And then of course everything that he said and he prophesied had came true. Mm. Right? And so going over there, I had part of my, my warrior's journey. You know what I mean? They said that the warriors over there didn't start smoking weed until they was like 40 because, you know, they had to make sure that they was disciplined and they got their best years out before they start overindulging into, you know, different things. At least that's the story that was told. And of course, they practice polygamy over there, but your wife got to have, your wife got to be able to have her own home. You feel me? And you got to be able to give like 40 cows or something to the yeah. home. You feel me? And during war time, you couldn't even be yeah. with your wife. And I, I went over there. I'm fighting them. We holding the shields up, fighting the spangle light. They was really good. You know what I mean? But I was taller, though. You feel me? Um, so I probably would have got a little, bro. You feel me? But he was good at what he was doing. I shook the spear. You know, little people can fight, bro. <laughs> yeah, I ain't going to lie. No, he was good. He had a good little center of balance. You feel me? Not going to lie. I felt like the down rock when I was over there because they were so short and small. I ain't gonna lie, them South Africans were short out there. You feel me? Yeah. Um, but when I first went out there, I was even recognizing this was like 2019 and people were showing me love. And South Africa, there's a lot of whites out there. Yeah. Right? This is where Oh Girl Who Do the Water Song, what's her name? Um, Tyler. 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 So, you know, it was controversy that she called herself colored because out there, if you mix, they call you colored still. Right. They don't call you black. Right. That's how they they go over there and they treat people who mix like a whole different race. So they treat you as like colored people. Right. So, you know, me going over there, they could tell that I'm American, um, essentially. Um, but it's interesting because racially they classify each other completely different than how we go over there. Right. So that was one point of identity that if like my brother Yusuf went over there, they'd look at him as color because right. yeah. he's light skinned. Yeah. Right. So you got to like. So y'all, y'all, y'all have different experiences over there. I mean, I mean, we, he probably still have an American experience. Yeah. 
Cause, but know, I'm saying, but if y'all went by yourselves, like well, if, not at if, the same time, they didn't know that yeah. he was American, right? You know what I'm saying? But because you're American, you probably gonna have an American experience. But people may assume your color before you open your mouth, and that's the another thing is that they won't even know you American unless you open your mouth a lot of time. Some people think you're from Morocco, Sudan. Mm. They think you're from all sort of different places in Africa. They're not going to guess you're from America. Why would they? You look like them, right? But, you know, you start to find a lot of differences between you and the people of those lands because they have rituals that connect them to cultures and tribes that go back hundreds, if not thousands of years. Right. And Mm -hmm. what I'm connected to is the history of my people specifically in America on how we have fought for the last 500 years in the social justice and the initiation into consciousness and nationalism and all these other different things that... I believe about myself. So you got to remember you travel with your identity, yeah. right? Everywhere you go and your, your constructs of your, your constructs of your perspectives and your image of self will be challenged everywhere you grow, go to expand. So did you learn any lessons or any gain, any insight from that trip to Ghana that you Brought back to America and incorporated in your life? A whole lot. A whole lot. Um, in Ghana, I had one of the greatest experiences that I ever had in my entire life. Ask me what it was. What, 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 what it was? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> ain't nobody here just us. I asked you a question. I seen a black man treat the police. Oh, yeah. Like they were his personal maids. I seen him yell at them. Um, kicked them out of his establishments. I seen him willpower. Um, so I seen him willpower in a way that I've never seen a black man willpower in America up close. Even black men with money. And it shocked me to my core, but it also felt like I was getting spiritual reparations just by watching it and being in the presence. And I tried to act all cool. Like, yeah, yeah we do that too. <laughs> like you feel me? If they tripping, like, yeah, <laughs> shout out to bro. You feel me? But in my mind, I'm like, damn, this bro looking like a superhero right now. And I just remember thinking, like, we think we got, we ain't got no real power in America. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if we do get power, we're afraid to wield it. When we get power, we're so shy with it. People get power and be afraid. We use power against each other more. And then now you realize that most people don't even know how to wield power. If you got resources, it ain't just about having resources. Different men know how to use their resources. One man can have money and he wouldn't even know how to protect himself or other people because he don't know how to use his money in a certain way. Mm. You know what I'm saying? One man thinks about building political connect, military connects, police connects. Right. Um, He thinks about all these different things that he needs because that's wealth to him. The resources, the connections, the networks. But bro, Freedom said that he said, you know, every man has to have his network. He has to have his resources. Mm. He has to have his skills. Right. And then, of course, I add he has to have self uh, self awareness slash knowledge of self. He has to know himself so that he is not compromised and lose his integrity as he moves throughout the world. So one of the biggest things that I was another thing I was challenged was about my ideas towards wealth. I was playing this game at this blind school that my brother Memphis DePay took me to. 
And in the blind school, we got to literally like, uh, we get blindfolded like the children. Because yeah. the children play this game where they get blindfolded. and Or they not blindfolded, they're blind, excuse me. Um, they're blind and they're playing a kickball. So in kickball, they have to listen to the sound, right? So imagine kind of like playing soccer, but with your hands. And you have to listen to the sound of when a ball is coming towards you. And you grab the ball and you try to throw it behind the opponents and they got to grab it. So we wanted to get on the level of the children and experience what it was like for them. And it brought them so much joy. So we went in there and I was, oh, I was pretty good at it. I ain't gonna lie, my team won. We got blindfolded. You listen for the ball, <laughs> grab it if you get it. Don't let it hit the wall behind you, yeah. right? So I'm literally like on the ground, like enjoying this, but it felt, it felt so equal in that moment. You got billionaires there, millionaires, star players, and you know Brandon Marshall's there. So many people. It's, and, and and but in that environment, everybody was equal. You know what I mean? In that environment, it didn't feel I, the wealth felt like it was measured completely by your humanity. Mm. Wasn't measured by what you have, what you've done, what's your stats. In that place, these children couldn't even see you. You know what I'm saying? Some were deaf. They couldn't even hear you. Right. So it wasn't like you go go in there and impress them and they know who you are. No, it's only your humanity that could impress them. And they had so much joy and so much love and so much spirit, man. And I think it forever impressioned me with a moment of like gratefulness because them mm. children, you go into their bathrooms and their bathrooms, you know, it's a, it's a harsh, distinct smell. Um. But they not thinking about yeah. what they don't have. Their heart is so expanded that they have more capacity to feel joy than the average person because they're so grateful and gratefulness expands the heart. And so I changed my ideas around wealth because if you have everything and you enjoy nothing, then you are poor. But if you have nothing and you enjoy everything, then you're rich. Right. And so there are many people who are, who have the world on the outside, but they have nothing on the inside. They have big houses that's empty. Right. They have riches, but mm. they don't have any wealth in the spirit. They don't have any peace in mind. They got demons that chase them because they lose their integrity from hopping in industries that make them go against themselves. Mm. Them children taught me so many lessons. I couldn't I had to figure out a different way to communicate with them. And I showed I had to show some of the children that could see. I showed them my experiences and what I've done in life. And I had to think about like, yo, if I didn't do anything in life, how can I even be impressive to these children? And I had to show them moments in my life that inspired them. And they gathering all around me and they just had so much energy. My bro Aristotle there doing dance competitions with the kids. You know what I'm saying? It was it was a vibe. You feel me? And I think um, I, I really understood that. You know, we have a lot that we can teach as, you know, a couple colored Native Americans out here. But we also have so much that we can learn about humanity. And we got so much that we can learn about culture from other people whose culture has remained intact. Mm. Man, you just sparked the thought in my mind, right? You just said you can have everything but still be broke on the inside, you know, not have your peace of mind or whatnot. And before we had started this live, you asked me, did I have anything that been bothering me lately, right? And 
for the most part, like you said, we we keep a warrior spirit over it, right? So we try to stay busy, try to keep going and shit, work on the mm-hmm. next plan and shit, right? But it just that right there just summed up my my a feeling that I've been having the entire year, really. And I think I gotta release it now before we go into this new year. It's 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 a grief aspect, me dealing with the passing of my cousin, right? Mm. So I talk about him a lot, my cousin Boiler or not. I had found him deceased in 2018. Like I'm the one that literally found him taking his last breath, got him to the hospital. Unfortunately, he didn't make it. And this is a cousin that I was with for 28 years, like my favorite cousin. Like he, when he was alive, everybody know this is my yeah, favorite cousin. You sure. see Boiler, you gonna see Steve, we pulling up 100%. But I end up going to jail for three years, like two weeks, after he passed, you know, so, you know, in that environment, I was like forced to suppress my emotions. I couldn't mm-hmm. show no emotion in there, you know, I had to. So, and I, and I kind of realized that I never like really went through the process of grieving. Yeah. Even when I came home, shit, I came home three years later, it was time for me to like get back on my shit. I almost had a life sentence. I really couldn't focus on the grief right now. I gotta get myself back together. But fast forward to today's time, we done did so much these last two years. Like, we done shit. Like, to the, on the outside looking in, man, we been living. Mm-hmm. Living, living, living life doing. But I used to listen to the Breakfast Club every single day in jail. Like, that was my routine. We went on the Breakfast Club when I came home. We done did Big Facts, Drink Chant. We done, we done did all of this. Like, but even though we was doing all that shit, a part of me always say, damn, man, I wish my nigga boy was here to experience all of this. You know, I still was feeling empty. You know what I'm saying? Believe me, I know what you mean. But what I realized too, though, like, every we all can't stay, you know, and you just got to come into terms with it. You know, like, we all can't stay. And... And instead of you falling into that that cycle of like, damn, feeling down and bad and depressed and playing all those what if scenarios in your head, man, you just got to become the best version of yourself for real. Because well, that shit will straight break you. <laughs> because part of the is selfish. When somebody dies, we want to play God and extend their life. We want to extend it because we want more time with them. Not realizing whenever somebody lives. And whenever there's a period put at someone's life, that was their full life. That was a, you have to uh, be appreciative of the time you had them, whether you know that that time was going to end or not. It was. It was always going to be that way. It was always going to happen that way. So when Allah God puts a period at the end of someone's life, you don't mourn the period that was put there. Right. You more in the period of time that you had with them before it ended. So, Mm. you know, life life is is meant for us to spend appreciating it, enjoying it, living it, being in the moment. Right. If man was meant to live in the past, we would invent time machines. Right. Our thoughts are for us to be able to be consistent and move forward. If you don't know where you came from, you don't know where you're going. It's not meant for you to live in. Mm. Right. So, you know, it's, it's a whole West African thing, Sankofa. We look back while moving forward, though. Right. We look back to learn from the past, not to live there. You know what I mean? So that's that whole thing about mourning is that, yeah, we have our, our Black Mondays where we mourn. 
You know what I mean? Death comes and death goes, right? In in Muslim in black Muslim funerals, we don't have singers, right? Uh, we don't have a big gospel thing going on yeah. because we don't want, we don't even want people coming up there telling all of these super sad stories because a lot of it is that's for the living that's performative for the living and the funeral is supposed to be that moment to give veneration and honor to the dead so instead we pass out mints and you pass out a mint and each person takes the mint and during the duration of the mint that you savor you're supposed to think about that person's life and how sweet it was while they was there but how fast it goes right and so just like a mint, as you enjoying it, it's great. But when it's gone, you want more. But mm -hmm. appreciate what you had. Right? Mm -hmm. that was, that's what life is about. That's, that's, it's funny you brought that up, right? When it comes to grief and death and all those different different people do it different, differently in different cultures. You know, mm -hmm. like, yeah, even up? even with, with the whole funeral process or whatnot. Like, when, when our brother Rufa passed. Yeah. And his... And his um morning, they buried you the next day. Yeah. Put you in the sheet. Ain't no no casket or none of that. Put you in the sheet. The women can't even see the body or nothing when it's going on. They just you at the cemetery, they put you in the ground just like that. The next day wrap you in the sheet. And now and that just made me think like, damn, and in my culture, in the hood, we were thinking retaliation when we was mm -hmm. thinking some shit like when looking back, we were straight mad. That he didn't have a regular funeral the way that we had one. And they just wrapped him up, put him in the sheets. Like, that shit made me, like, mad at the time. Furious. That's crazy. You know, <laughs> but different cultures got different rituals, man. You know, and that's, that's just what it is. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that's the Islamic way of doing things. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, don't, we, don't, we, don't, we don't let the body, you know what I mean, decompose and just be above ground for too much longer. You know, it's it's instant. You feel me? And that's the thing about that's when you realize you're American. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you you're so initiated into the American tradition that everything that comes from your way of doing things you think is right. And some traditions is is funny. We talk about this, but you know, in some places I, I learned that like the young people during the funeral they go to hotel rooms and they have sex. Like that's part of their mourning mm. process. You know what I mean? In some places. And it may seem crazy to you, but that's their coping mechanisms. In New Orleans, they show the body and they have parades. Same thing in Jamaica, right? It's similar to that as well. It's almost like a club. They passing out flyers. You're like, what's going on? Oh, so-and-so died. You know what I mean? It's going to be a procession. It's going to be a celebration. Yeah. You feel me? So you got to, you can, you get to choose. Like, which way do you want to honor, right? Because you want to do it the American way, mm. right? But the question is, is it the best way? Right? Maybe you find another way that actually fits you. Right? I don't want to go to a funeral and cry all day long. Yeah, I've been to I know enough. in New Orleans what they do the um what you call it, the people get to playing the drum. They, yeah. they have a whole festival like type of shit, you know. You know what's funny though? When I went to one of the reasons I knew I was destined to become a speaker, and it's funny, I was working a job at the time, but um it was at my uncle's funeral. <laughs> And I remember they asked me to go up there and speak. And I decided to just speak from the heart. And it flows so well. 
and so incredible. And I just remember all the compliments from the family afterwards. You know what I'm saying? And it was just this moment where I like really took in. I was like, damn. Because I had, I think I had, was it my grandma's funeral before that or somewhere else I had just spoke. But at that moment, it kind of like really hit me like, damn, I think I really am good at this. Like, yeah. like because I wasn't prepared, but I didn't need to be. You know what I'm saying? And, and it felt like a calling. You feel me? So I got to thank my Uncle Mike for that gift, yeah. man. Because his passing, you know, allowed me to understand one of my gifts in life. Yeah. Yeah. All right, enough of all this sad stuff, man. Go had me crying today, hey, man. Yeah. I don't another note, man. On, on on this day, December twenty eighth, the good brother Denzel Washington. Oh was yeah. yeah, and I am Denzel Keys. <laughs> Denzel Key. What's your favorite Denzel Washington movie, man? Ooh. And why? You feel? Man, I got two of them. You can't. I feel like with Denzel, you can't say just <laughs> I ain't one. I say two. I like all Denzel movies. First of all, yeah. I, I, okay, except the one he did with the black and white, and they were speaking. Um, what's that? What's that movie called? I forget. It just came out on Apple. Most people haven't seen it, of course, because it's it's boring. But Denzel Washington, um, Malcolm X, of course, because yeah. I thought I thought Denzel Washington was Malcolm X for the longest. When I was a kid, I thought that. <laughs> I thought this how this, I thought that's how Malcolm looked, how he talked. I thought he was Malcolm X when I was younger. Like I couldn't even imagine oh, what the actual Malcolm X looked like for so long because in my mind, Denzel Washington was Malcolm X, right, as a child. So that movie for me was incredible because, you know, I think it was one of the first times I felt some representation on screen by seeing like the black Muslim story come to life. Yeah. Um so that that got uh uh a dear heart, I mean, a, a, a nice place in my heart. Uh, but of course, I ain't gonna lie, Training Day was it was a movie, man. I know people say, he, mm. she got an Oscar for playing the bad guy, but goddamn, he played that bad guy. Yeah. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, Denzel went Denzel in that movie. Yeah. But, you know, I like the last Equalizer he just came out with. I like yeah. Man on Fire. I like all Denzel movies, man. All the way back to when he was playing a, a movie, he was a, a principal back in the day. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? He had a movie where I think um, Virtuoso, Virtuoso, I think it's called, where it was like this guy that was like this AI program was trying to kill him or hunt yeah. him down. Like, man, everything Denzel came out, I probably seen. All right, so we 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 gonna um, wrap this Whoa, show up. Slow no, no, wait, wait. You What's know, your listen, favorite? Listen, I, I'm finna get to it, right? But we gonna wrap it up because I ain't. I, I gotta be real. My brother Mike running now. This running a little low, man. So we gonna have to end the show in a second. But my favorite movie by Denzel is definitely The Book of Eli, Ooh. and and it was because I watched that whole movie and the, I didn't know that man was blind until the end. You know, like I was like, damn, so. When he opened that Bible up and it was all in Braille, I said, oh, this man, cold. Mm. <laughs> this nigga, they go back to the blind story you was just talking about. Mm -hmm. He was so in tune yeah. with everything that's going on that's around him. That shit, he What's y'all favorite yeah. Denzel movie? Yeah. What's y'all favorite Denzel movie out there? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I ain't gonna lie, like, like, yeah, I think Denzel Washington is the GOAT. Now I don't think I know it. Yeah, he the GOAT. He's, He's the GOAT. GOAT. Yeah. Like and, and he's oh. the goat regardless of color. He's not and, even just the goat for black. And you actors. said too, right? And another one was John Q because oh, man, that man it just showed me like man, 
He don't give a fuck. He he going hard for his child. Flat out. If he got a, if I got a. <laughs> Kenneth, oh, the Kenneth, hospital Kenneth hostage. Kenneth said, Kenneth, glory. You know, it, I got to do that for my child to be well, you know. Make sure y'all press like on the video as well and share this out. Okay, Slick Money say Malcolm X. Yeah. Chosen Destiny say Flight. Nah, it's funny though, but this this year was my first time watching American Gangster was a good movie. <laughs> You said this is your first time what? I said this year was my first time seeing the Malcolm X movie. Now, I read the book, but I never saw the movie to this year. <laughs> I ain't gonna even care. <laughs> See, that's what's wrong with the American Negro. You telling me that you don't watch every John Henry Sally film and one of the greatest orchestrated American films ever been put together by some of the most brilliant minds in cinematic history, your black ass ain't watched until this very 2023 year. Denzel Washington had a whole son that done put out movies since then. And you just now watching Malcolm X. <laughs> See, this is what I got to deal with, man, every day, man. Thank y'all for tuning if in. If I would have, you, you, I should, I got to revoke part of your black card privileges. Thanks for tuning in Bro, to the Man to Man podcast. We appreciate y'all for tuning in. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Yo, go get your crowns, man. Go get your yeah. crowns. Crowns is on the site right now. Make sure you go tap in. Get your crowns. Uh, we're going to make sure that you go to crownz19.com. We got crowns. We got jewelry. We got the glasses that are yeah. on the site. Um, and we're going to be adding more things and more things. Right. The book is on the site as well. All right. um, All right. and this as is, always. I do This is for my viewers, right? You got 30 seconds. Give me five words that sums up this entire year for you. Boom. The time and is dude really want to sing Taylor Swift movie before oh. Malcolm X. That's crazy. You crap. You capping. Give me five words that sum up your entire year. You got 30 seconds. Five words that sum up your entire year. Oh, that's a good one. And, and and then give me one word. No, I'm talking about you right oh, now. Oh, me? Yeah, I, I, that... and I'm starting the timer, bro. Uh, oh, I thought you were talking to the people. Um, wait, 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 wait. Let me hit this timer real quick. You got... 30 seconds, all right? On the count of three, let's go. One, two, three. Uh, inspiration, uh, challenge, growth, power, and global. I ain't even need the whole 30 seconds. <laughs> Man, I, I had more than five words, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> you know peace, what I'm peace and blessings to y'all. <laughs> that's all we got for y'all today, man.